is, yes, but culture is changing so fast. And some of the stuff that Jesus says is really unpopular. Some of the stuff that Jesus insists on, people hate us for that. Why should we hold fast to what Jesus says? Why should we hold fast to what Jesus told us to do? So i got to answer the question, why? And then we also have to answer the question, but, but come on. Come on. I mean, if you do a lot of good things, can't you compromise just a little on a few things? I mean, if you do a lot of good things, maybe Jesus would overlook some stuff. I mean, do you, do you live like that sometimes? Like, sometimes you live like, you know, I do a lot of good stuff, and my good stuff probably outweighs my bad stuff, so probably okay. So, pushbacks, I got to answer to holding fast. Why do it? Because culture is pulling us the other direction. But we don't really have to, do we? Like, not in everything. And then the other question is, well, what if... What if, do we have to hold fast the whole time? Do you have to race the whole race? Like, if a game is 60 minutes long, can you play 58 great minutes and then relax for the last two? Is that okay? I'd like to help you hold fast your whole life. So you don't have any regrets about any of it. Hold fast your whole life. Before we pray and enter into this text, I just want to show you a picture this picture we took a little after five this morning. This is the team going on the missions trip. So we want to pray for them this morning. There's two people absent from this trip, Laura Lee and Benjamin. They went down um, earlier in the week so they could hang out with family before they participated in the missions trip. So let's remember them as we uh, look to the Lord in prayer about this passage. Lord, we do pray that you work mightily through and in our missions team. Lord, pull them close to yourself. Lord, hallowed be your name with them. Your kingdom come with them. Your will be done with them. And Lord, I pray as we open this text that you would stand in front of me while I'm in front of them, that you'd talk over me while I talk to them. Lord, that you would that you would reach in and grab us by the heart and pull us towards yourself. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are in Revelation chapter 2 as we continue in this series called Conquer. Um, each of the seven churches are told to conquer and you conquer by racing the whole race, fighting the whole fight, playing the whole game, knitting the whole sweater. It begins uh, in the island of Patmos, which is there, and then from Patmos we go to Ephesus, and from Ephesus to Smyrna, and from Smyrna to Pergamum, and now we find ourselves in Thyatira. And so, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire. This is going to be important later on because Jesus is like, hey, 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 don't think you can get away with stuff. I'm going to make an example of some people so nobody thinks they can get away with stuff. He has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. He is strong. He is stable. He is reliable. You can count on him. I know your works. 
Jesus says to this church, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance. Man, that's a pretty good list. That's a pretty good list. Your love, your faith, your service, your patient endurance. Man, they're getting it right. This church is getting it right. This church is getting a lot of stuff right. And better still, you remember what he said to the church in Ephesus? He said, you're going to die. Like, this church is going to die in Ephesus because they lost their first love, and so he tells them to go back to the works they did at first. Remember that? But this church here, this church is doing great. He says to them, and your latter works exceed the first. You just keep getting better and better and better. Oh, that that were true of us, that we would get better and better and better. Like, this is really good. And then we read this. But I have this against you. And you're like, man, you just said they're doing great. And some of us, man, maybe we need to hear this, that we look at our lives and we think, look, I'm doing this right, I'm doing that right, I'm doing this right, I'm doing the other thing right, I'm doing all these things right. I know I've got this sin over here that I don't want to talk about, that I hope no one knows about, that I'm trying to keep hard, trying my best to keep a secret, but I'm doing all these other things right. And I just want you to hear, Jesus doesn't grade on a curve. He doesn't. He doesn't, like, weigh your works and say, well, they got most of it right, they got a few things wrong, who cares about that stuff? Jesus is serious about sin. Like, this is a church getting, getting so much right. And then Jesus says to them, but I have this against you, that you tolerate. Man, that's a cultural buzzword right now, isn't it? That you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess that is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. Listen, how many of you had, have, like, I'm talking about, like, at the fair, or I'm talking about a sports team, I'm talking about PTA, I'm talking about just anything in life. How many of you have led volunteers? Led volunteers? Yeah, a lot of you, led volunteers. How many of you know that when you're, like, going to confront a volunteer that's a key volunteer, that has a following, sometimes it's, it's really hard. Sometimes it's really costly. So when, I, when you hear this, I want you to hear like confronting Jezebel, like if the elders of the church are going to go to Jezebel, she's got a big following, she's really popular, they're going to go to confront her and they just, they just have to know like there's going to be a lot of blood on the floor and a lot of it is going to be theirs. that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and eat food sacrificed to idols. Like she's leading people astray. She's a popular teacher seducing the people by lies and sexual sin. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her 
onto a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her, like, I'm just, I'm going to do this word by word, because I think, I think sometimes we have this picture of Jesus that doesn't allow for him to be serious. That doesn't allow for him to deal bracingly with sin. This is the resurrected Christ speaking. And Jesus says to them, I will throw into great tribulation. Those who commit adultery with her, I'm going to deal with. And they're not going to like it. Not at all. They've participated in her lies. They've participated in her immorality. I'm going to deal with them. Unless they repent of her works. So Jesus still is giving them time to repent, even if Jezebel is past the time of repentance. And I will strike her children dead. Like the people who will not give up this heresy and will not give up their immorality. This is what Jesus says. I will strike her children dead. Like, Like that is not something I would like make up. That is really bracing and Shocking to read Jesus say, I'm going to kill our kids. Here's why. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. But the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold to this teaching who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. All right, so I may forget to say it later on, so I'd like to say it now. Satan, one of his tools in his toolbox, one of the ways he lies to us is he tells us that he has deep truth that no one else knows. Like he promises you the forbidden knowledge that no one else will have. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, like, there's part of me that's still, like, ugh, when, when people say, we want to go deep, we want deep stuff. I think, like, my best spin on that is, we want to know the depth of the love of Christ. Yes, yes, I'm into that. But the love of Christ is still pretty clear and pretty straightforward. He loves us with laying down his life, dying on the cross, love. When they mean we want to know stuff that no one else knows, I want to ask, why are you discontent with a simple gospel? It's not a mark of intelligence to lose the joy of your salvation. It's not a mark of intelligence to move past just being so glad you're saved and learning to follow Jesus more and more. To you I say, do not lay on any other to you as to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. Hold on to the simple gospel. Hold on to what you have. 
Hold on. Hold on. Don't be swayed. Don't be thrown off track. I told the group I was studying with for this, I told them, you know, it seemed, because we were talking about this idea of, you know, the deep things of Satan, and uh, I told them, uh, one, of the, one of the problems in seminary is people learn so much stuff that they just find new and worse ways to justify stuff. They justify stuff they never would have justified before, and they end up losing their faith. Some people call it cemetery instead of seminary. I'm not against learning. Like, I, Believe me, I am all for learning. I want to be a lifelong learner, but not so I can justify stuff, and not so I can learn stuff no one else knows. I want to know more and more about Christ and how to follow him. I want that to translate into my character being right. That's what I want for you. I'm not against knowledge. Like This is why we study all week, so that we can learn how to follow Jesus together. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. The one who conquers, okay, so this is the name of the series. The one who conquers, this is what we want for you. We want you to conquer. And who keeps my works until the end. To him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. This is like quoting Psalm chapter 2, where Jesus is talking about the Davidic king and how Jesus, or when the psalmist is talking about the Davidic king and it's reference to Jesus and how Jesus will smash them like you'd smash earthen pots, the enemies of God. And so Jesus is saying, you are going to participate with me in that. Do you mean, do you hear that? You're either going to be the iron rod, or you're going to be the pot based on whether or not you follow Jesus. You're either going to be doing the smashing or you're going to be getting smashed based on whether or not you follow Jesus. Even as I myself have received authority from the Father, so the Father gives authority to the Son and the Son gives authority to us. I mean, that's what it says. And I will give him the morning star. So according to Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, the morning star is Christ himself. I'll give you myself. Do you see the stakes? Like, do you see, do you see how, how important this is? You're going to get thrown on a sickbed or thrown into great tribulation or smashed like a pot. Or you're going to get to rule with Christ and receive Christ himself, who is the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, so, so what, is it, what is it that we have to have from this? I think what we have to have from this is, is that Christ wants you to conquer. And this is, why, this is why this passage is in the Bible. He wants you to conquer. And what we mean by conquer is racing the whole race, is fighting the whole fight, is knitting the whole sweater, is playing the whole game, every minute of the whole game. And a couple weeks ago, like I used the analogy of it's kind of like when you run a 5K. So some of you have run a 5K. You, you, you guys have run a 5K? A bunch of you have run a 5K. 
you run a 5K, and what do you get to prove that you ran the 5K? You get a t-shirt to prove that you ran the 5K. You're like, I conquered that 5K. I did the whole thing. I ran every inch of it. I did the whole thing. So this is a t-shirt I got with Asher a couple weeks ago. We conquered that Tigers in Motion 5K. Got the, got the tiger on the back, and we did it. He ran a great race. We ran the whole thing. This is what Jesus says. I want you to run the whole thing, and if you run the whole thing, I'll give you a crown. He said, if you run the whole thing, you race the whole race. I'll give you the morning star. You run the whole thing. You race the whole race. I'll share my authority with you. You'll rule with me. So conquer. Race the whole race. Play the whole game. Hey, where does, where does that meet you? Are you in a season of life where you're like, I don't... I just feel kind of stuck. I just feel like I should quit, or I, I don't know what I should be doing, or I, I don't know the way forward. Hey, would you, would you ask the Lord to help you with that? Would you ask the Lord to show you the way forward? Conquer. Play the whole, play the whole game. Knit the whole sweater conquer. So how do, or why do we conquer? We conquer because Jesus knows. Remember, this is what Jesus said that he was going to do, that he was going to discipline them so that they would know that he is the one who searches hearts and minds. Jesus said, look, you need to conquer because I am watching what you do, and I know what you do for, for worse or for better. I know it will be costly to deal with sin in your life. I know it will be costly. I know it will be hard. But I know. Like, this is, this is what he says. Like, verse 22, Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And then again, down in... Verse 27, and he will rule them with an iron rod and when the earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself receive authority from my Father. Jesus says, I know. So look, for, for, for worse, whether you're going to get smashed or killed or thrown into great tribulation, he knows. Please don't lie to yourself and tell yourself that no one knows. Please don't lie to yourself and tell yourself it's a secret that will never be found out. He is the one with eyes of fire who searches hearts and minds. So negatively, he knows. He also knows positively. So he knows if you haven't compromised. He knows how much it's costing you to hold the line. He knows how much it costs you to do his work. He knows how much it costs you to keep volunteering and keep showing up and keep loving them and keep praying for them. He knows. So hold the line. This is why we hold the, 
hold fast to the truth. It's why we run the whole race, knit the whole sweater, play the whole game, because he knows and he will reward. So conquer because he knows. Second, now how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, we hold fast to the truth. We hold fast to the truth. So if you think of our life like a tree and you think of the roots like what we believe and you think of the top of the tree like our fruit or our works, then Jesus is saying, hold fast to the truth. Hold fast to the truth. Don't believe their lies. Don't believe their falsehood. Don't believe it. And so, so the last church in Pergamum, we said, you know, they, they were suffering. Like, it's like they live in Satan's basement. Like, they, he says, I know where you live, like you live where Satan's throne is. And then he says, but I have this against you. And it was the same list of sins. And, and you're like, Jesus, do you see how much they're suffering? Like, don't they deserve a little bit of sin? Like, this is what we tell ourselves sometimes. I'm suffering so much, I deserve a little bit of sin. And we said, no. I use the analogy like, Imagine you have a great bowl of ice cream, your favorite kind of ice cream. It's really, really hot. Really, really hot outside. And you have your favorite kind of ice cream, and someone gives it to you, and they say, look, it's this great bowl of ice cream, but accidentally I dropped a little bit of poop in it. Don't worry. Less than, less than a teaspoon, you know, not very much, just a little bit. And I think you're like, well, I don't care how good it is. I mean, I just don't, no thank you, you know. Like, no amount of poop is the right amount. Okay, so no amount of lies, no amount of sin is the right amount, no matter how much you're suffering. That was the analogy we had last week, or last time I did this and when we were talking about Pergamum. Like, in the same way he'd say to Thyatira, no matter how many good works you're doing, no matter how much good you've done. So you look at, like, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. I did all these good things. No amount of good works makes poop in the ice cream okay. It still doesn't. No amount of good works makes poison in the Kool-Aid a good idea. So you have to stop thinking of sin like sexual immorality or like your favorite lie to tell yourself. You have to stop thinking of that as a reward and start thinking of it as poison. No amount of PFAS in the water is desirable. Like, no matter how many good things you do, you still don't want PFAS in the water. You still don't want sin in your life. I know this is hard. I know this is costly. I think of a great evangelist that fell a couple years ago, and his family had to know. They had to know for years. There was... There's a side to him that they just wanted to keep a secret. And I'm sure part of how they justified it was, look at how much good he is doing. A little bit of sin that no one knows about, it's not that big a deal. It's a big deal. That's what Jesus keeps saying to this church. It's like he's trying to grab him by the heart and say, please stop compromising with sin. Why, why is Jesus so, I mean, I was reading, the, I'll just tell you what I thought. I'll just tell you how I felt when I was reading this. I just thought, 
Why is Jesus so mad about this? I mean, sexual immorality? I mean, have you ever watched TV? Sexual immorality, like, that's everywhere, right? Lying? False teaching? That's everywhere. Why is Jesus so mad? He's talking about killing kids. He's talking about throwing people on sick beds. He's talking about throwing people in great tribulation. He's talking about smashing people like pots. Like, Jesus, why are you so mad? Do you wonder that? And I was like, man, this week I heard about another person that I consider a loved one. I mean, I still consider a loved one, of course. Caught up in sexual sin that is going to just, just do a number on their lives. And a number on a lot of other people's lives. That's, that's the nicest way I can put it. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Like, we, the culture plays it up. It's just bodies. It's just sex. Who cares? It, it's a big deal. Jesus takes it seriously because he loves us. And he's warning us because he loves us. He wants us to conquer. So, why do we conquer? We conquer because he knows. We stay in the race because he knows. We keep playing because he knows. We knit the whole sweater because he knows. And we're talking about life. We stay in the game because he knows. Now, how do we do that? We do that by holding on to the truth. We do that by holding on, holding fast to his work. So remember, the church in, in Ephesus kind of didn't finish. The, they were not finishing well. It says, you know, there's a lot of stuff they did, but if you look at verse 5 of chapter 2, remember, therefore, this is chapter 2, verse 5, a different church. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. But then to Thyatira, he says, your latter works exceed the first. But then he also says to them at the very end, but keep my works until the end. Like, like it is so easy for us to forget or to take our eye off the ball when it comes to doing Jesus' works. And so he's reminding us again and again. As he tells us to hold on to the truth, he's going to remind us again, but don't stop doing the work. Please don't stop doing the work. I think this is a real temptation for us. To, to stop engaging with Christ's work because Christ's work is costly work. It's life-giving work to other people and to us, but it's also costly work. You think of like, you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want to knit seven-eighths of a sweater, would you? So you put the sweater on, it's beautifully knitted, everything is right, but it stops about right here on one sleeve. Why not just knit the whole thing? You know, why not just, why not just finish? This is what Jesus is saying. Look, how about, how about we just run the whole race? How about we just finish? You know, you wouldn't want to be an NFL football team and they have four 15-minute quarters and a lot of times it all comes down to the last two minutes. And you, can you imagine a coach saying, you know, you guys have played a great 58 minutes. 
Fantastic 58 minutes. You've played so well, you deserve to just sit on the sidelines the last two minutes. Can you imagine that? Why would we think we'd, why do we want to do that in life? You know, in um, ultra racing, they have a category called DNF. You know what DNF stands for? Did nothing fatal. <laughs> well, no, it means did not finish, right? It means did not finish because you can run 95 miles really well and be in the lead the whole time, but if you don't finish the last five, you get a DNF, a did not finish. This is what Jesus is imploring this church. Don't get a DNF. Now, your ministry might look different when you're 80. I mean, I'm sure it will look different when you're 80 than when you're 20. But you can still do ministry when you're 80. You may not be doing the all-nighters with the middle schoolers when you're 80. That's young man's work or young woman's work, right? But there's still stuff to do. I was so happy and proud of our Kids Hope volunteers as I got to go to the fifth grade salute and see them standing with their kids that they'd mentored. They just kept showing up and loving these kids year after year, all the way through. And you know, we're, I think, the only outside organization in these schools. You know that they don't love everything we believe. That's a nice way to put it. But they're glad we're there mentoring at-risk kids. Keep doing the work. There's still work to be done. Run the whole race. So, we've said, hold fast. Hold fast to Jesus' truth and work. Hold fast. This is what you want. You want the final judgment to be something you look forward to rather than dread. I mean, this is what you want. You want to be the kind of person that holds to sound doctrine, holds to the truth. You want to be the kind of person that finishes the race, that finishes the sweater, that plays the whole game. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you pull us towards yourself with love. Lord, correct what needs to be corrected. As we go into this song and as we think about communion, Lord, I pray that you'd point out secrets that we're keeping, that you'd help us repent, no matter how costly, because repentance now will not be as costly as unrepentance later. Lord, I pray that you just pull us towards yourself by your grace, reminding us of your finished work on the cross. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.